This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 561 with Mia Hemstad. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 561. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. I am so excited for this special guest today. So I asked Mia Hemstad to come be one of our speakers in the Shameless MomCon Collective a few months ago because she was one of my favorite interviews of 2020 and maybe one of my all-time favorites on the show after 561 episodes and 230-some interviews because Mia brings so much energy and passion and truth and all the things that more moms need to motherhood when she's talking about motherhood and burnout and her journey and her journey through postpartum depression and anxiety. And the way she talks about it is just so inspiring and also so real. She is such a truth teller and I appreciate her so much for that. And I also recognize that when you're someone who manages depression and anxiety to show up with the energy that she brings to every conversation, 
it takes a lot and she does it and she does it with like all the best parts of herself. And so I'm so honored to have Mia in my life and have her be in the Shameless Mom Academy now in a couple different capacities. And when she came into the collective, her talk was outstanding and she touched so many of our attendees. And it was a conversation that I knew was really, really important and needed to be bigger than the collective. So I asked her if I could also share this conversation here as an episode. So what you're going to hear is a recording from within the Shameless Mom Con collective. And you're going to hear Mia talking about how to combat mom burnout with sustainable self-nourishment. And Mia is the first person who I heard talk about self-nourishment instead of self-care. And she kind of used it in this context. It was like this call out of self-care culture that I loved. And she's like, yeah, screw self-care. Like it's nourishment. You need nourishment. That's what it is. It's not self-care. It's self-nourishment. And how can you better nourish yourself in ways that delight you and fill you and fuel you and fulfill you and you're in for a treat with this conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about Mia from a bio standpoint. Mia is a wife and a mom of two little kiddos. She works as a paid family leave and mental health advocate, writing and speaking online and advocating at the policy level for systemic change. After surviving postpartum depression and anxiety twice and later being diagnosed with PTSD and depression, Mia is passionate about helping mothers leave the burnout cycle behind through her writing, speaking, and coaching to support moms in navigating self-care and mental well-being in motherhood. Mia was one of the speakers at the Shameless Mom Con Collective, like I said, this past spring, and she gave such an impassioned talk, and all of our attendees saw parts of themselves in her talk, parts of themselves that people don't typically talk about, the messy parts and the ugly parts and the parts that are full of tears and anger and sometimes rage, the parts that might lead to diagnoses of depression or anxiety, the parts that might require medication. And Mia's talk was so powerful and also so full of tactical advice. I knew that I needed to share it here where more of you who struggle with mom burnout can learn from her tips and put them into action in order to start the healing path that will allow you to touch the parts of yourself that maybe you have been feeling like you're barely hanging on to right now. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this conversation, listen to Mia's talk, because I think you're going to get so much out of it. And you're going to walk away with some ways that you can take care of yourself and nourish yourself in the most essential and critical ways. And also in ways that bring you joy, because you also just deserve to nourish yourself for the sake of joy. That's okay too. It doesn't all have to be just for the sake of like having enough energy to get through the day. Sometimes it can just be about joy. So this conversation is going to be a treat. With all that said, please help me welcome back Mia Hemstad to the Shameless Mom Academy. Well, thank you all for showing up for me and for you, because I know how hard it is to make the time and mentally justify why we need to show up for ourselves. And I think just by showing up, you guys have done such an amazing thing for yourselves. So pat yourself on the back. <laughs> and today I'm so excited to share a little bit of my journey with you, share a couple of really personal stories with you to hopefully help you learn how to practice combating burnout in motherhood. Burnout is a very common experience for caregivers, especially for mothers. It's actually a psychological phenomenon that is widely studied and accepted in the scientific community. And when I realized that, I was like, wow, we're really not talking about this enough. Clearly, it's a real thing. It's a real problem. And it's something that I want you to know right off the bat is not an isolated incident. And it is not something that's your personal fault or failing. So one of my last experiences of major burnout was three years ago. I went to a grocery store with my kids. I had my two and a half year old in the cart and my six month old strapped onto my chest in a baby carrier. 
And you can see from this picture, this was around that time, my eyes look so dead inside. And my kid is so precious and cute. And being honest with you, when I say I hardly remember that time, because I was so burnt out, chronically burnt out. And I was also struggling with major postpartum depression and anxiety at the time. So this was around that time frame, And so I was doing the best I can. I didn't feel amazing, but I needed to go to the grocery store and not feeling great was kind of the norm. So I didn't think anything of it, but then I was only in the store for a few minutes when I started to get blind spots in my vision. And I never had had that happen before, but I was pretty determined to get my groceries because it was the post-snack pre-nap window of time when you really want to just like get it done and get home before your kids start having meltdowns in the store. But my blind spot started to get worse. I started to feel dizziness. I looked down at my list and couldn't tell if I wrote burrito or bread and was like, okay, I just need to leave the store. So I beelined to the checkout and was, my heart was like racing and the, the cashier could tell that something was off. And she was like, can I get you a chair? And my automatic response was, no, I'm fine. I don't need a chair. I mean, how many of us that we do that. We're like sick or we're struggling and someone offers us help and we're like, no, no, you know, someone offers some sort of support. We're like, I'm good. It's okay. Don't inconvenience yourself. And then I realized I have a baby strapped to my body. I should probably not risk fainting. So I was like, actually, can you get me that chair? That would be great. So here I am checking out. I'm a 20 something year old young mom sitting down to check out of the grocery store. And Long story short, I made it back home safely, but then a migraine attack hit me full force. I was doubled over in pain. I was crying. My kids were crying. The groceries I did manage to get were getting warm on the floor. And I called my husband at work, which is a big deal for me because at the time his job was very much like not family friendly, didn't want him to leave. But I was like, I really need you to come home and take me to the doctor. I'm in so much pain. So I was at the urgent care talking to the doctor. I had my kids in tow and my husband. So my kids are like, you know, trying to like break into everything while I'm trying to deal with pain and talk to the doctor. And I was convinced that I needed to go to the hospital. I was like, I'm in so much pain. I'm so out of it. I'm pretty sure I need to go to the hospital doctor. And this doctor was like, you're really just presenting with classic migraine symptoms. And based on your sleep schedule, which by the way, at the time, my sleep schedule was wake up four times a night with a breastfeeding baby who would not sleep. He's like, based on the lack of sleep you've been getting and kind of everything you told me, you sounds like you really just need pain meds and to go get some rest at home. You don't need to go to the hospital and bless this guy's soul. He was an older male. He didn't realize that I probably would get more rest at the hospital than I would at my home. And this was like a whole hospital fantasy. I didn't realize I had, which by the way, is a real phenomenon you can Google it. It's like, all I wanted was to just have an excuse to get checked into a hospital where I could lay down and no one would ask me for things that they needed. And I could press a button and someone would come and bring me food and water and coffee. And I just was desperate for it. And I remember at this time of my motherhood journey, I would like look forward to going to the dentist Did anyone else like really just get excited about laying in a dental chair. And you're like, you can scrape my teeth all day. Like, I don't even care. Like you can scrape my teeth and do whatever you want, fill cavities, whatever, even if there's no cavities, find some, as long as I get to lay here, it was like, that was the best. Cause then my husband could take time off work. Cause I was going to the doctor, but no, the hospital fantasy didn't happen. I was sent home. <laughs> So that was a bummer, but it's a real thing. Nothing to be ashamed of, but it took me almost a year to recover from this burnout. Every time I tried to get back to normal, another migraine attack would come. The next time happened when I was at a library with my kids and it was so embarrassing to me to like 
finally unload my kids, get the stroller, get the diaper bag, get the snacks, go into the library and then have to leave right away because I feel this migraine attack coming on. And I don't want to have it happen while I'm driving. But then the next time it did happen, it happened while I was driving. And this is when I was like, nope, now that my kids health is in danger, not doing this, we need to figure this out. I was hoping that this problem would just go away. I was hoping it would just resolve itself. And I really didn't want to think about this as a recurring issue because what would I do about it? So I went to a neurologist, got an MRI, had multiple tests done. I was almost hoping that they would find something medical that was causing this chronic problem I was having. And the results of the test started to come in and they were all negative. (laughs) I should have been happy. There were no tumors, no pinch nerve. I didn't need surgery. But if I'm being honest, I was actually really upset about it because what I was worried about was true. My body and brain were shutting down on me. And I was like 23 years old because I was completely and utterly exhausted and burnt out. And what I really needed was real rest, not one nap on occasion every once in a while, but real and consistent rest. And this shouldn't have been so scary, yet it was because I was a mom of two young kids with no supportive family or friends nearby to help. I was also a caregiver full-time for my brother who has autism and he was struggling with a severe illness at the time. And like I said, my husband, you know, he did what he could, but he worked at a very demanding job and he traveled a lot. And I was also struggling deeply with postpartum depression and anxiety. And I know that this like concoction of awful, heavy events is something that a lot of new moms experience. A lot of us go through this and we go through it largely in silence because we don't want to sound ungrateful and we don't want to burden anyone with our problems. So I felt completely alone and the solution to my burnout felt completely impossible and out of reach. And that made me more depressed and more anxious and actually really angry. So I looked at other moms around me to see like, what is everyone else doing? Am I the only one going through this? And I saw a trend. Burnout was definitely a common theme, especially for those of us who didn't have family nearby, who they could get help from on a regular basis. And I just felt completely gypped. I was like, where is this village that everyone said you needed to raise a child? You know, how can I even provide support to someone else or ask another mom for help when we're all drowning? And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like call the village, find the village, give them my number. Like I'm waiting for them. But I tried and tried to build community and it just seemed to be fruitless. And this was really the first of several rock bottom moments in my motherhood journey. I wish I could say that there was just one rock bottom moment where I almost collapsed in the grocery store and then I changed my life forever and I never went back. I mean, that would be a really great, clean way to present this information to you. But that just isn't true. That's not the way my life is or was, and I would be lying if I packaged it that way. So only honesty here. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. 
So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So the fact is that over the last three years, I have had many rock bottom moments and many high moments. And I had to learn that a rock bottom moment is not a sign of regression or going backwards or a personal failing. Instead, I had to realize that a rock bottom moment is a part of the journey of getting closer to the woman that I want to be. A rock bottom moment is a sign that it's time for something to change. And it's an invitation to become the next version of you, not the perfect version of you that does not exist, but just the next version of you. So today I want to share with you the three shifts that I made in my life in order to combat burnout and motherhood. Of course, there are many, but in 35 minutes, I'm going to give you the top three that helped me become the woman that I am today. So who is the woman I am today? What am I saying that you can also become? I want you to know that this is completely and totally possible for you. As Sarah mentioned, I have diagnosed PTSD and depression. I am the survivor of abuse. I have gone through a lot of things in my life and also survived postpartum depression, anxiety, and heck, giving birth to two children. So if I can do this, you can too. So the woman I am today is a woman who sets boundaries without hesitation, is a woman who makes sure she is always at the top of her priority list without guilt or shame. And yes, it is possible. It's absolutely possible to do something for yourself and not feel bad about it. I promise you. And, you know, again, like I just said, I honor my needs without guilt or shame. And I know what my needs are. And I know that by going on your own nourishment journey, you will become these things too. You will get to this place as well. Even though I know some of you might be so in the depths of 
newborn motherhood or just motherhood in general, this seems so far away, but I just hope that you can see that it is possible as I share my journey with you. So I want to express this though, before I go into the three shifts that your journey to becoming that woman is going to look very different from mine. And that is actually a good thing. Okay. It is good for your journey to be different than mine. That means that you're honoring yourself rather than trying to follow some formula that doesn't match your life circumstances. You are the expert on your life circumstances. And my hope today is that by learning just a few of the things that helped me the most, you'll have fewer moments of crashing and burning, more experiences of living fully, and just more awareness of what not to do, maybe what to try, what not to try to help you in your own journey of combating burnout. Mamas, I have a save the date for you. I want you to join me on July 28th. On July 28th, I'm going to be doing a free workshop and it's going to be a total redo of a workshop that I've done in the past, but I've made it very relevant for our present times. So here's what I did. I sent out a survey a couple weeks ago and well over a hundred of you replied to the survey and thank you. I got so much amazing feedback and such great data. And in that survey, I asked you, what do you need most right now? What are your biggest struggles? What are your biggest obstacles? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? And now I have revamped my workshop, five mindset resets, you need to shine like a mother. Because here's what I know. I know that for you to get what you want, it all starts with your mindset. It all starts with the thoughts in your head, the thoughts that are taking up space, and whether or not they are helping you or harming you. And so with that survey, I was able to see what everyone is thinking right now, what this community is thinking coming out of this pandemic, coming out of a year and a half of our lives being flipped upside down where we felt like we had so little control. And here's what you told me. You told me that you wanted more me time, more personal time. You told me that you wanted to calm the chaos and the overwhelm of your daily life. And you told me that you really want to step into your most courageous and confident self, but you don't really know how. And so that is what we're going to be talking through as I guide you through five mindset resets that you need to shine like a mother right now at this phase of 2021. This workshop is for moms who are looking for less stress and overwhelm, less constant worry about other people's opinions and expectations, less battling with perfectionism, less self-doubt, and less negative self-talk. This is for you if you want more calm more ease, more energy, more patience, more connection and awesome relationships, more confidence and more support. So if you were like jumping up and down with your hand up in the air saying, yes, I need this now. I got you. Stay tuned. The workshop is going to be on July 28th. You'll be able to sign up next week. If you're on my email list, you'll get information on the email list to sign up there. Otherwise, you can get on my email list by going to shamelessmom.com slash newsletter so that you can sign up for the workshop as soon as we open it up. And of course, I'll be announcing it here on the show as well, where you can go to sign up. It's all going to be totally free. It's on July 28th. Mark your calendars now because I want to see you shine like a mother for the rest of 2021. Stay tuned for more information. Okay, y'all. Shift number one, realize that you are already trying hard enough. Listen, I wrote down notes and notes and notes of things I wanted to give to you all. And this came down as the number one thing I needed to make sure I imparted to you today because hustle culture tells us we need to do more, but that is keeping us exhausted and in this cycle of burnout. And one of the reasons you're dealing with burnout is because you're having to try too hard just to keep your head above water. What do I mean by this? So in many parts of the world, society was not built for mothers to thrive. The United States is no exception. I'm sure this is not news to many of you. Many of us are aware of the ball and chain in our leg, otherwise known as the patriarchy. 
And for women of color, we have an additional ball and chain on our other leg known as racism. And it's really hard to stop drowning and escape the burnout cycle when you have these weights strapped on you. Now, I know some of you might be thinking right now, I thought this was supposed to be an inspirational talk and now she's talking about the patriarchy and racism. This is not the self-care talk I came for, but listen, I had to go here because if I didn't, I would be doing you a disservice and I would not be telling you the whole truth if I didn't acknowledge that one of the contributing factors, significant contributing factors to our burnout as women and as mothers are these external oppressive forces that are reality in our lives. So what does this look like in real life, right? We know we hear things like the patriarchy and racism and we think of them as concepts, but what does this actually look like? So a few examples is it's the burden of having to leave your career that you built for 10 years because your boss does not care that you don't have childcare and that there's a pandemic going on. It's being passed for a promotion at work because you just announced that you're pregnant, which you thought was a great thing, but apparently now you're seen as a liability. It's having to work twice as hard as your white male colleagues just to be in the room, but you're still getting paid less than him because of the pay gap. It's struggling to find connection among your white mom friends who just don't understand the weight you're feeling when you see another racist hate crime in the news. These obstacles are real and exhausting and common, and we cannot talk about combating burnout without first addressing the challenges that moms face day in and day out. After the pandemic and this new wave of the civil rights movement, I am hopeful that we will start to see these systems crumble and that we will rebuild something better in its place. But in the meantime, here's what I want you to stop doing to help you get out of the burnout cycle. I want you, me, all of us to stop internalizing shame, guilt, and self-blame for problems that we did not create. We have to practice responding to ourselves with compassion when we're passed for a promotion or when we drop a ball at work because we're exhausted or when we're too tired to play with our kids because being mom, homeschool teacher, cook, housekeeper, partner, friend, and everything else is a lot. So what I'm trying to say here is that being maxed out isn't all your fault and you are doing the best you can with the circumstances that you're in. So can we practice putting down the blame that was never ours to begin with? Can we practice putting down that weight that was never our fault, but we were born into it as women and as mothers? We have to start there. So the next time you snap at your kids or your partner, or you drop an important ball at home or at work, I want you to respond to yourself with one of my favorite mantras. And that is, I am doing the best I can with the time, energy, and resources I have. You can even put your hand over your heart Close your eyes and take a deep breath while you say it, if that works for you. Let's try it right now. Put your hand over your heart or your tummy, whatever makes you feel safe. Close your eyes and say, I am doing the best I can with the time, energy, and resources I have. Take an inhale and an exhale. And screw racism and the patriarchy. You can add that in if you want, but if it doesn't vibe with you, you don't have to curse out the oppressive systems in your affirmation, but I love doing it. Makes me feel super empowered, but it's really up to you. But yes, practice that. Practice the letting go. Practice the not doing so much. Practice the not thinking if something fell down or broke or didn't happen your way that, oh, I must have just not tried hard enough. We have to release that and acknowledge the real things at play here. Okay, shift number two is become the queen of no. How many of you have seen those memes on social media that says no is a complete sentence or self-care is no? Yeah, some of you, okay, I hate those. I hate those with a burning passion because I see that and I'm just like, have you tried saying no to your mom? Like, 
have you tried saying no to your friends or your kids? Like, it's really not as simple as the memes make it seem. Your kids throw a whole tantrum and your mom too and other people don't like being told no. And if it's not your kid, you can't exactly say, I'm going to take away your screen time if you throw a tantrum. So don't throw a tantrum. So it's not exactly as easy as that. But do you know how great that would be, though? Like, let's say you go and you tell your boss you're not going to work late for the 50th time this week. And you can see your boss getting ready to throw a tantrum and you can just threaten to, like, take away cookies or take away, I don't know, like something. And then they can't get mad at you. I wish that's how things worked, but it's just not how things work. So saying no as a boundary and, you know, becoming the queen of no, as I put it, it's a lot more complicated than the memes make it seem. So in all seriousness, learning how to set boundaries around my work, my time and my energy did start allowing me to nourish myself better and more often. It allowed me to safeguard my rest and protect my peace, which we all need more of, right? Rest and peace. Like how good does that sound? How many of us really need more rest and peace around here? But yes, when we start to protect our rest and our peace, we can show up more as our whole selves when we're no longer fragmenting every part of ourselves to satisfy all the needs and requests of the people around us. But again, I don't want to oversimplify this process. There are a lot of benefits to learning how to become the queen of no, but it is a lot more difficult than what we're told. So I want to be clear that learning how to set boundaries for me required a lot of learning unlearning, accountability, and practice. Because all our lives, we're taught as women to put ourselves last, right? How many of you had a mom or a grandma who always was cooking, cleaning, on her feet, never taking a break, never doing anything for herself? Like if you saw her in a new blouse, you were like amazed. You're like, whoa, she bought herself new clothes? Like this is amazing. Yeah, a lot of us had that. I had that. And I don't blame them for it. It's hard for us as women and as moms to say no, because we've inherited the belief system that a martyr mom is the best kind of mom, the mom who does everything all the time, no matter what, and always puts herself last is the best kind of mom. And that is a lie that is keeping us exhausted. And again, this belief system is generational. It's passed down the roles of wife and mom they bring with them an entire avalanche of expectations and pressures from literally centuries of what men decided women should and shouldn't do and be and say and how we should look and how we should dress and how much weight we're allowed to have on and whether or not we can get a tattoo or how we do our hair and all the things. There's a reason why it's so hard for us to say no. So the next time you call up your grandmother and you say, I am sorry, grandma, I will not be driving two hours with my newborn who hates his car seat to go to my second cousin's birthday party. I cannot do it this time around. I will see you at Thanksgiving. Don't say that exactly, obviously. Be a little bit kinder, you know, have some tact, but you know, you're going to feel anxious after that or upset or like you did something horrendously wrong. And instead of thinking it's because you're a bad person or because you're weak or you're just a people pleaser, I want you to acknowledge that the reason why it feels so wrong to say no to grandma or mom or your friend or your coworker is because you are going against everything that you were taught that what it means to be a good mom, what it means to be a good woman. You are literally going against that entire narrative. And that's a lot that takes courage. It's uncomfortable. It can feel terrifying, but be patient with the discomfort of this process. Because I know from my own personal experience that the ripple effect and the benefits of learning how to set boundaries is worth it. It is worth wading through that discomfort. 
And today I feel absolutely liberated when I say no. And when I set boundaries instead of feeling scared. And this is the woman who a couple of years ago, I literally had anxiety for three months when I told an aunt that I was not going to be attending XYZ function. And now it's just like, sorry, no, I can't do that anymore. So it's like, wow, this is amazing. What a self-honoring thing to do. So yeah, it's uncomfortable at first, but know that it is possible. So for the entire year of 2018, setting boundaries was my focus. I didn't realize it was going to be my focus, but when I started working with a therapist, she was like, wow, we really should focus on saying no a little bit more. So it ended up becoming my focus. And I read books about boundaries and my therapist encouraged me and gave me tips and held me accountable, which was a huge piece of doing boundaries work. And when I had those hard conversations with people in my life, I inevitably would come back to therapy the next week and sit on the couch and just bawl my eyes out. And my therapist would be like, wow, really good work. You should be so proud of yourself. And like therapy is such a weird relationship. It's like someone's like excited for you while you're crying. It's like really weird, but it's great. But eventually the process of saying no got easier and easier because as I set these boundaries in my life, I started to have more time. I started to have more energy. And with that, I started to exercise more regularly. I had more time to actually make my own lunch instead of eating whatever my kids didn't manage to eat, usually crust from a PB&J, right? Or some mangled apples, you know, you're like, oh, I'll just finish this. So I literally just started to see the benefits in my life. And I started to be able to take care of myself. And I had my weekends back and I wasn't signed up to 5,000 commitments. And my life started to feel more like mine. I stopped treading water every day and I started to feel like I could breathe again. And it was amazing and delightful. And I was never going back. And that year of support and encouragement from my therapist inspired me to start my own support group last year. It's called No Longer Last. And it's a safe space where women are encouraged to put themselves first by doing one thing every day to nourish themselves. And my favorite part is our monthly gathering where we show up as we are and people share what they're really going through, whether it's depression or a really intense season of motherhood or a career crisis or a relationship crisis. It's just a space where we can really be ourselves. And one of the things I love is how we are all met with understanding nods from each other, but also if we're celebrating something, whether that's going on a hotel staycation for the first time or drinking your coffee while it's actually still hot without having to microwave it four times, the women in that group are just like cheering each other on and it is literally the best thing ever. And it's something that during the pandemic, launching that made me realize how healing it can be when we really try to make an effort to come into community rather than trying to do this healing journey on our own. And it really takes out that isolation and loneliness out of life. So one more thing I want to say about boundaries is that they're not just something you have to set with other people, which is something we hear about a lot on social, but really more often than not, boundaries are something that you need to do with you. It's a reality check that you need to have with yourself. And I want to give you an example. So I'm a recovering perfectionist, used to have major debilitating perfectionism. I graduated as a valedictorian at my university at the time, had the highest GPA ever recorded there. So when I say perfectionist, I mean it. <laughs> and I used to have this rule that every dish needed to be cleaned before I could call a night and go do something that I wanted to do for me. Newsflash, by the time I finished cleaning every single dish, I was too exhausted and my body hurt so much after 14 hours of being a stay-at-home mom, carrying kids and running after toddlers. I was just exhausted. And then I would go to bed, 
feeling completely depleted and wake up depleted and wake up irritable and angry and frustrated because I just was doing this cycle over and over and over again of pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I had to have a reality check with myself and realize, listen, girl, to myself, you're exhausted and you may not have the money and the family support and the husband who's at home to help you out. You may not have all these things that you think you need, but you need to figure something else out other than spending that precious time between your kids first sleep of the night and first breastfeeding session of the night working or doing the dishes like it was in my case like okay is this really in this season the best use of my time right now so when I had that reality check with myself I realized no it really was not and I had to confront myself and say oh I realize I'm acting like I'm a child still living in my parents house being told that you can't watch TV until you've done all your chores, until you finish your to-do list. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a grown woman and I'm allowed to make the rules in my house and I will no longer follow this arbitrary rule ever. That's exhausting me. So this was massive for me. And this is something that I really want you to take away from this story is that the decisions you make from a place of believing that you are worthy of love and care and rest are always going to be drastically different than the decisions you make from a place of believing that you have to earn rest, that you have to earn love, that you have to earn self-care. So it's definitely an internal thing first, then an external thing, because I realized, oh, I wasn't resting once my kids went to bed because I believed I needed to earn it through all of these things and all these chores and whatnot. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, I traded a perfectly clean kitchen for an hour-long warm bath, and yes, you are seeing a candle on top of a toilet. I do not live in a super glamorous place. I am in a tiny two-bedroom apartment in Southern California. My bathtub is right next to the toilet, and I splurged on going to the 
the fancy section, candle section in Target and got myself a Chip and Joanna Gaines candle. And that was exciting for me. I'm like, I'm going to light this candle. I'm going to put some lemon in my water. I'm going to make this as good as I can make it. And so really, this was life changing for me. I started to take these hour long warm baths every night instead of perfecting my kitchen. And something I forgot to point out with that picture of me in the previous slide, it was like marking the beginning of me leaving dishes in the sink and going, listen, the new rule is I load up the dishwasher and it's full. We have something to eat off of tomorrow, but everything else can just wait till the dishwasher is empty again. I will no longer hand wash all this stuff. So I just wanted to show from this example of, you know, my makeshift spa that I thought that self-care was out of reach because of what I saw self-care to be online. And I realized that there was something I could do and it was right in front of me the whole time. And taking these warm baths after my kids would go to bed became a ritual that I looked forward to every day as I would deal with more messes and meltdowns. I knew this bath was coming and I could rest and my muscles and like, you know, really decompress. And I would put on relaxing music and just whatever I could do to make it as nourishing as possible. I would do. And so this really solidified for me that self-care isn't just for people with money or resources. It was something that I could figure out for myself. And this leads me to the next shift that I want to share with you. And that is to be careful of the all or nothing mentality. Oh my goodness, this is so important. So setting that boundary with the dishes did lead to that ripple effect in my life. I started looking at my life from a different lens and I began asking myself, where else in my life am I allowing perfectionism to steal my energy and my time? So with this new frame of mind, I started thinking about my basic self-care, like sleep, eating well, drinking enough water, exercise, hygiene, all of the things that I hadn't really been able to do with any level of routine for years even before I became a mom, because I was like so into hustle culture and workaholism. But I really was like, wow, if taking a bath makes me feel this amazing, what, how would I feel if I like did all of the self-care things and tried to nourish myself in all of the ways? So I did something that I don't recommend that you do. I tried to improve all of my basic self-care habits at the same time. <laughs> yes, even after my dishes revelation, I still struggle with that all or nothing mentality. But that's one of the amazing things about going on a journey of learning to nourish yourself is you come face to face with the way that your mind really works around this stuff. So what I did that I don't recommend that you do is I created a super unrealistic schedule that required me to get up at like 5.30 in the morning. And my plan was to start my day with exercise, a shower, maybe a green juice, maybe some breakfast, maybe some meditation. You get it like way too many, like that minute by minute schedule. You're going to break it down. You're going to do all the things. And then the kids will wake up. No. <laughs> So I was so excited the night before I was going to start this new routine. I laid out my exercise clothes. I had bought a way too expensive yoga mat, but honestly, I still really love that yoga mat. So it's fine. And I watched way too many unrealistic morning routine videos on YouTube. And I was like, I'm prepared. I'm ready for this. My alarm goes off the next day. I snooze it for like 30 minutes. Cause of course I woke up three times that night to breastfeed. I started putting on my exercise clothes eventually. And then my kids woke up, of course, an hour earlier than they usually do. So you're like, I'm going to 5 a.m. And then all of a sudden your kids are like, mom, I'm awake. I need to go potty. I need a snack. Or they're like, you know, and you're just like, I am just trying to have an hour to myself. 
oh my God. And you get so frustrated. And then you're like starting off the day instead of on this great note that you hope you're like bitter and angry and you're snapping at everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened with me. And I love this picture that I chose because grandma looks happy, but mom is just like, really? No, I don't want to be here right now taking this photo. I want to be having yoga alone and having a quiet morning. So anyway, I would try to exercise with my kids, but then the whining for the snacks would start, the climbing all over me would start. And 10 minutes into that, I was like, I cannot do this. I would get so frustrated, huffing and puffing, right? Just like, no. So I went to therapy that week and I was complaining to my therapist about it. I was like, I was trying to practice self-care and my kids are just like making it impossible. And my therapist kindly said, maybe try to have some more flexibility with yourself. Maybe have some flexibility with your kids. Maybe it's not going to be exactly what you hope, but maybe you could try to just like see what happens. I was reluctant with her advice because flexibility was not in my vocabulary. Okay. I was all or nothing, do or die type of woman at the time, even though that should have kind of ended since becoming a mom, but it didn't. I wanted to work and run my home as if I didn't have kids and parent like I didn't have anything else going on. And it was a source of so much struggle and so much feelings of shame and guilt and feeling like a failure that was just so unnecessary. So I was out of ideas. I knew that what I was doing wasn't working. So I was like, okay, I'll try my therapist's advice to be flexible. So I decided I'm only going to focus on exercise And instead of waking up at an ungodly hour, I decided I'm just going to wake up when my kids wake up. Let's be real. I'm breastfeeding. I'm not a morning person. Let's just go with it. Let's be flexible with ourselves. And I would turn on my workout video. Of course, my kids started to climb on me. I could feel the the frustration building and I'd just be like, flexibility, Mia, flexibility. You can do this. And I just said to my kids, mommy's exercising right now. You can join me in your own spot over here, not on my yoga mat or you can play on your own. (laughs) Of course they got upset and they threw their tantrums, but eventually after weeks and weeks, they did understand it. Eventually they either would watch me on the couch and cheer me on or get really excited about it, or they would get their own towel and pretend it was their own yoga mat. And sometimes they would play on their own. The beautiful thing about this was that I became more flexible with my kids and less reactive. I just became a calmer parent, which I really needed. And my kids became more flexible with me. They learned that I'm not always at their beck and call, that the whole world doesn't revolve around them. And they became more independent. It was a win, win, win. Okay. It was really great. And then eventually my kids started to look forward to my 15 minute workout and they would ask me about it and be like, mom, are you going to do Kukwa dance fitness today? Are you going to do yoga today? Like they were so into it. And sometimes my kid would roll out my yoga mat, my son and be like, mom, I rolled out your yoga mat for you. It's ready. You know, they became a part of it and seeing my kids do their own version of downward dog or their own version of push-ups, It is just the best thing ever. And it always makes me smile. And after months and months of doing 15 minutes of daily exercise, I honestly felt like my mind was becoming as strong as my body was because I was uprooting that all or nothing mentality, that perfectionism that would rise up every day and say, no, your kids need to not be here. The space you're working out, it needs to be perfectly clean. And I would just, I just shove the railroad tracks and Legos out of the way. And I just, as long as my yoga mat fits there, I do it. I just, every single day, just practicing that 15 minutes was like a mental workout as much as a physical one. And after exercise became a habit, I decided to practice that flexibility approach with drinking water, eating better, hygiene, having a better bedtime routine and going to bed at a decent hour. And I want to say, like, I didn't practice all these habits at one time. I definitely 
had to take my time with them. And I would say now all of these basic self-care habits, I like to call them rituals. They're rituals for me. I don't feel bad about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to decide when it happens. It's just automatic for me, but it took probably about 18 months. And that is something I am a huge proponent of is just like, you need to practice slow growth and enjoying the process. This whole change your whole life in 90 days thing is not real. And I think it sets a lot of us for feeling down and like there's something wrong with us. And that's just not how the human brain works. So another amazing thing about releasing that all or nothing mentality is that it forced me to practice the slow growth. It forced me to enjoy the process. And it helped me to just like celebrate myself and find happiness and joy in the current struggle and in the current journey, instead of waiting until I reach some arbitrary goalpost to decide, okay, now I can, I don't know what, pat myself on the back. No, every single day, every drink of water, every time I brushed my teeth, every time I managed to wash my face before bed, I celebrate myself to this day. I still do because it is a big deal for a mom in a patriarchal system to love herself and to nourish herself. So I hope that from what I'm sharing right now, you are seeing that self-care, it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to require a ton of money. And I'm totally not against like buying things or getting more resources if you can, but just know that the external things do not remove that all or nothing mentality, which is a much bigger barrier to you taking care of yourself than anything else in my opinion. So the last thing I want to share about this is that seeing my kids exercise with me showed me that the work I'm doing to combat burnout and nourish myself isn't just benefiting me in the present, it's benefiting my whole family. My kids have a calmer, more emotionally present mom. My husband has a healthier, more whole version of me, which is fantastic. I'm not always like, did you do this? Did you do that? You know, and I'm modeling this behavior for my kids, which is a part of the work of breaking down the generational expectations of what women should do. And that is a big part of dismantling racism and the patriarchy. So going back to that analogy of the ball and chain of the patriarchy and racism, you know, one on each leg, dragging you down, making it hard to breathe and making you tread water, setting boundaries with other people was like putting on a life jacket. It made me like calmer in that water. It made being in that water easier. It kept me from drowning. And then releasing perfectionism of having that perfectly clean home, perfectly healthy meals, of keeping up with the Joneses on Instagram. Releasing all of that was like getting on a boat. So I was on the water instead of in the water, living my life rather than trying not to drown. So maybe at this point of me sharing, you're like, well, I've tried all of those things and I still fall off track and I get burned out. First of all, I hear you. I do not think that self-nourishment means that you will have a perfect life and that you will never get burnt out and that you will never have low moments. I have PTSD and depression. Low moments are a part of my life. And I used to think that it was a personal failure of mine. And I used to beat myself up in those low moments. And then I just decided that I had had enough of that. And that was really just the patriarchy telling me to feel bad about being human. And it's okay to be human and it's okay to have low points and it's normal. And so I think we need to rewrite this idea and then recognize that nourishing ourselves doesn't mean following a perfect routine every day and having no struggles. Nourishing myself enables me to handle the challenges of life from a place of strength rather than depletion. It helps me preserve myself. And in those low moments, I think you need nourishment more than ever. So instead of you know, beating yourself up over not adhering to a strict regimen, I encourage you to choose compassion over judgment. I encourage you to tune into yourself and think, 
what do I really need right now? And how can I best nourish myself in this hard moment, in this hard time that I'm having? So when you're in the valley, I want you to think, instead of thinking, oh, I'm off track and this is my fault. Instead, I want you to think I may be in the valley right now and it is hard to see the light, but I'm still on the journey. I'm still on the track and I can pick myself up whenever I am ready to. So again, I just want to say that I've learned just as much about myself in my low moments as I have in my high moments, right? There's like this obsession in the self-help world with being high vibe and never having a low moment. But again, I think that is cutting yourself off from really important growth because it's in those low moments when I turn down the volume of blaming myself and I turn up like and tune into what my heart, body, and mind are telling me I needed and how I got there. I'm able to really learn how to better nourish myself. I'm able to come back into the high moments knowing better how I can take care of myself. And I think that these low moments are just an amazing opportunity for you to learn more about yourself. So if you're wondering, what's the point, Mia? I've been trying at this for so long. I just want to reiterate and affirm that you are the point, that the whole point of your life should not just be how much you pour out and sacrifice for others, that it is okay for you to recognize that you are also the point of your life, that your joy, your happiness is important, that you deserve to get out of the burnout cycle, that you deserve to live your life from a place of wholeness. You deserve to be taken care of and loved by you. And you shouldn't have to rely on and hope that someone else will show up and give you that love and care that you so desperately need right now. And it's a beautiful thing when you learn to nourish yourself, you can rely on yourself to take care of yourself. And that care and that love creates a ripple effect in every other area of your life. So by choosing yourself over a perfectly clean house, over being constantly available to everyone around you, over being the martyr mom, you will become a woman with more energy and excitement for her life. You will become a woman who knows her needs and who can trust herself to meet them. You will be showing your kids what healthy self-love and self-respect look like. And by choosing yourself, you are also helping to dismantle the patriarchal and racist narratives that say that women and especially women of color should put ourselves last. So when we learn to nourish ourselves sustainably, we are able to take our power back. We're able to enjoy our lives more fully. And from that place of wholeness, we can get out of the burnout cycle and change the narrative of motherhood for all of us. Thank you so much. Oh, Mia, so good. On top of, there's a million amazing messages that I want you to check out in the chat when we're in just a minute. But aside from that, I also have people private messaging me like, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And this is so good. Um, I just can't thank you enough. That was phenomenal. I hope you loved Mia's talk as much as I did. If you want to connect with Mia, reach out to her, follow her on social media, you can go to miahemstad.com. That's M-I-A-H-E-M-S-T-A-D.com. That'll be linked up in the show notes. You can also find her on social media. Her Instagram is phenomenal. Her Instagram stories, they're just like always exactly what you need, all the reminders that you need. And you can follow her on Instagram at Mia Hemstad. And you can follow link or find links to her Instagram, to her Facebook, to her YouTube, to her website, all the things. If you just go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Mia Hemstad. We'll have everything linked up there for you. Thank you for being here for this conversation. I don't take it lightly that you're here. I appreciate you being here. And I really hope that you got something so valuable from this conversation. I know that I did. I know I've been taking notes every single time I have the opportunity to hear Mia speak. And it's my hope that you were able to do the same today. So thank you for joining us for this conversation. 
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.